I'm changing uh, paths this morning. I still would like to talk about how Jesus interacted with us, and Lord willing, we'll do that in future Sundays. But this morning I got up about 6 a.m. and started going over my notes like I do most every Sunday, and then to make my final changes and uh, rearrange uh, thoughts and illustrations and and then make the adjustments uh, uh, that are necessary and get you your notes ready. And I did all that this morning. And then as I was ready to come to church, I thought, you know, that's not today's sermon. So what I did is I went back into my bag of sermons, and I picked out a sermon. I preached to you one of the first Sundays I was your pastor. I went back to November 2011. I became your pastor in November, or September 2011. But if you remember back then, uh, I accepted the call, and you'd already had appointments, and I was still living in uh, uh, Georgia. So I wasn't coming up but every other weekend. So I'm guessing this is probably the third, fourth, or fifth sermon you ever heard from me as your pastor. And it will be taken from Jeremiah 29, and the title of it is called A Long-Term Perspective. I Hopefully you'll remember that. Uh, you certainly gave me a lot of amens 11 years ago. Hopefully we'll get just as many, if not more, amens 11 years later. If we've, Hopefully we've kept the course. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to um, Jeremiah 29? And I was being cutesy with the title, I admit, <clears throat> but I did put a, just a couple verses up there. I want to tell you <clears throat> why this was heavy on my heart. And uh, we do know that uh, with time, our building gets old and starts rotting, just like our bodies, and things start falling apart, and we've got to fix things from time to time. And we've been in that process for the past several months, and that's been exciting. But at the same time, it's uh, been concerning for me as your pastor, because I hear comments about whether we do one thing or we do another, I hear lots of comments, and what I'm concerned about, every one of those comments starts with the same word. I. I think. I feel. I like. I believe. Okay, so as your pastor, I want to ask you, think about it. If we do something and it's a 51, 49% vote one way, the church loses. If it's 59, 51, 49, the opposite way, the church still loses. If it's 90%, 10%, and the 10% complain, the church loses. If we wait for 100% and do nothing, the church loses. You got it? Got it? Well, today's sermon is, Lord willing, going to address that. Okay? So again, this is a sermon I preached uh, 11 years ago, and we'll see how it goes. Call it... Um, uh, the first reference I would like to, even though we're going to be in um, Jeremiah 29 for nearly all this lesson, is in Proverbs 28:18. it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay, I hear that quoted a lot. I don't hear the rest of the verse quoted a lot, and I purposely left that off. Do you know why this is dangerous? Because up on the front row, we got a 20-something, and we got a 60-something, and we got a 50-something, and we got a 30-something. Y'all might have different visions. Amen? So, the rest of the verse, want to know what the rest of the verse says? But he that keepeth the law. You know what the vision is? God's Word. 
It's the only way a 30-year-old and 20-year-old and a 50-year-old and a 60-year-old will agree. This is our vision. And if we don't have this is our vision, we're going to perish. Because I like the way it was. I like the way it could be. I like the way it is now. Why, if it's not broken, why fix it? You know, that kind of, this is our vision. If not, we're broken. Amen? Okay. <clears throat> Second is, we're going to spend some time in Gen, or, um, Jeremiah 29. And this is really hard. Because if you remember, this is what I call the 70-year plan. Now think about it. I ain't going to be alive in 70 years. Amen? So why should I do it? I'll never reap the rewards of it. Well, let's read Scripture and let's see if we can think that way. And I'm looking in the second row and I've got a daughter here, 22 years old. And you know what? She, statistically speaking, she probably won't be around to realize it either. I've got to go all the way to the back row and get my granddaughter back there. And she might be around at 74. Maybe I'm doing this for her. Can I look and make decisions now with her in mind and not me in mind? Amen? Okay. You think that's the vision that might get us all on the same path? I think we got half a chance. When we all start our sentences with the word I, it'll never happen. But if we can start with her, then I think we have half a chance. Now, there is one exception. There is one person in this congregation that didn't start the comments with I. And she's sitting there right there in the pretty pink peach vest. It's always, what can we do? What do the young people want? She's our oldest member, 92, okay? Amen? Our 92-year-old's leading the way. Amen, right? Isn't that the way it should be? Okay. I want to be in Jeremiah 29, but I want to read in 25 because Israel, or actually Judah, was being warned. Okay? Before this time came up, where this judgment, the 70-year purse started, God was telling them, if you don't fix things, this is what's going to happen. So in Jeremiah 25, 11, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it perpetual desolations. So what God's saying is, listen, y'all messed up. And I'm going to punish you, and this punishment's going to last 70 years. Okay? We're going to get to chapter 29 when the punishment starts, and God is going to give them instructions of how they're supposed to conduct themselves over the next 70 years. But this is just a warning. Hey, it's too late. Got it? Now, the good news is at the end of 70 years, the pain will be over. And I'm thinking, big deal, I'm gone. Right? That's not for me. It's not for my oldest sons. Maybe it's for my grandchildren. Okay, Lord, am I really to obey for them? Hmm, okay. Now, I want to go one more place. I'm going to go to Daniel 9, verse 2. This is at the end of the 70 years, okay? So, so the 70 years have come and gone, and now we're on the scene, historically speaking, and Daniel's on the scene, and he's getting ready for this new prosperity, Okay? 
In the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years. In other words, I was reading the book of Jeremiah, and I'm looking at my calendar, and I realize, hey, the 70 years is over. It's time for the good stuff. Whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So, yeah, they're going to suffer for 70 years, and Daniel's now on the scene, and this is the end of the 70 years, and we've just recently read about that. So let's go into Jeremiah 29 and let's read the instructions that Judah's going to get at the beginning of the 70 years. Okay? He's going to ask him to be very patient. Very patient. <clears throat> now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet <coughs> excuse me, sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So we kind of get the scene here. God forecasted that Babylon's going to come and take over Judah, and, and they came and they took over Judah, and they took the best of the best, and they hauled them back home, and Jeremiah's still in Judah, and he's writing these letters, and the 70 years while you're gone, this is how I want you to behave. This is what he tell them. Okay? After that, Jeconiah, the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, and the carpenters and the smiths departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan, and Jemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. This is kind of like the salutation. Okay? So, so again, I'm, I'm really trying to get you in this perspective because the things Jeremiah is going to ask Judah is really, really hard. Why? Because they will not reap the benefits their children most likely will not reap the benefits. They're doing this for their grandchildren. Do you have enough discipline to do something, not for yourself, not for your children, for your grandchildren? Do you? I think if we as a nation have, we wouldn't leave them with the debt we've left them. Amen? This is me. The boomer generation. We've spent our parents' money, we spent our money, we spent our kids' money, and we spent our grandkids' money, and we left them with a debt. Okay? We're not thinking that way. We're thinking this way. Okay, we can go amen for America. How about for the Church of Jesus Christ? Okay? Let's see. Okay? Verse 5. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that, they, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. You know what he's doing? He's saying, okay, you're going to be in bondage for 70 years, but you know what? I still want you to have strong families. I want you to marry within the faith. I want you to grow your house. I want you to plant gardens. You feed them well. You, you, you just keep going. But we're in bondage. Do it anyway. But I'm going to give half of it to the country. 
do it anyway. I don't care if Babylon takes half of it. Do it anyway. Okay. Verse 7. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. Well, you're going to be in bondage, but I want you to pray for peace. You want me to pray for peace when I'm in bondage? Yes. But I'm going to be in bondage for the rest of my life. So, pray for peace anyway. Why? For your grandchildren. We're doing this for a, it's not about me. It's about them. And if, 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 <laughs> now my grandson's back sleeping somewhere, right? I would use him as a prop. I would grab him and hold him in front of you, my one-year-old little grandson, and I would hold him, and I'd say for the rest of the day, I want you to call him Grandpa Malachi, okay? I want you to think of him, everything we're doing is for Grandpa Malachi, so he can do things for his kids and his kids' kids. Do we have that kind of vision? That's where the people will not perish. Don't you understand? We're just a drop in the bucket of time and compared to God. And he says, this is your part. This is your job. Because it's not about you. It's about him. It's about his son who came down to die for us. And I want to be sure that, that my children and my great-grandchildren have a place to worship and hear that story. I would love for my Grandpa Malachi to be around here and, and leading the songs and the prayers to his grandchildren. I want to do whatever I can so that happens. Amen? It's not about me. Okay. <clears throat> Chapter 29, verse 8. <clears throat> there he is. Amen. Okay. <laughs> and thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, he was 30 seconds off, wasn't he? Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in thy name, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. He's telling them, okay, even though in your bondage, I still want you to pay true to God's word. Stay true to the doctrine. Keep it pure. But, but I'm not in the old temple and I'm not worshiping according to the old ways. So, he wants you to stay true. Stay true to the word. Verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good toward, word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Wait a second. 60 and 10 is 70 and 80 and 130 something? I'm going to be 130 something? Why, why should I do that? I'll never get to go back home. Why should I do this? Because Malachi can go back home. That's what our goal is for. We do things for him. And Mary, okay? I don't want to leave her out. I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Verse 11. Now, now think about it. This is the verse you find on all the t-shirts and all the greeting cards. Okay? It's one of these sound bites. 
For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to expect you to, um, to give you an expected end. That verse says, I promise to bless you in 70 years. You got someone in the hospital that's really sick? I don't think that's much of a warning or a help to them, is it? I'm going to bless you in 70 years. Now, there's plenty of verses that say, I'll bless you, I'll be with you, I'll comfort you, I'll, 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 I'll be your encouragement. Do you understand? But this one here is a promise that in 70 years I'm going to bless you as a nation. And that's important for us to know. Do you understand? It helps us give it the vision. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about my decisions. Okay. That's the uh, hard part. Now, the question is, is, how do we do that? Easier said than done, isn't it? You know what? They kind of love me a lot. I like to be comfortable a lot, don't I? You know, I like to be the center of attention a lot. I like to have my way a lot. I like to look good. I like to feel good. But you know what? It's not about me. It's about Christ. So, how do I go about doing something like this? There's, there's, there's a lot of ways that I want to try to do this as a grandpa. Okay? So, so let's take a step back and let's take out of the, sh- the, the steps of being run, overrun by Babylonians and being hauled away to China or Russia or someplace long ways away. And I'm away from home and I'm not near my church. I'm probably worshiping underground but I'm still going to have a solid family. I'm still going to make sure they marry in the Lord. I'm still going to teach them the truth. I'm still going to do that the best I can. You know, we're not even in that situation. We don't have to hide yet. How, how do I do that? You just do it day by day. That's it. You do it day by day. And again, I tell you that as we come together in this little pretty place and when we make decisions, I pray the decisions are motivated by the cause of Christ and not what I like. I pray that the decisions we make are motivated by our grandchildren and keeping the truth for them and not just letting us write out our time and comfort. These are the years where sometimes I think our influence is the most. I know as parents you have a lot of input into your kids. But, but just think of the opportunities you have now as grandparents about spending a day that their father can't because he's working. I mean, there's, there's, there's influences you can have. And take them to breakfast. You can take them to lunches. You can take them to outings. Got on the phone yesterday with my grandson Gideon. You all know Gideon. And Gideon is five, and he still has a real rough speech impediment, and he's under, hard to understand. I got to say what three or four times once in a while. But he told me, he said, Dad, hey, Grandpa, I got a blue ribbon. A blue ribbon for what? He said, At the rodeo. I said, did you ride a bull? He said, no, no, no. 
I won the stick horse race. I said, stick horse? Yeah, they put a horse's head on the end of a stick, and you got to run across the corral. First one to the other side got a blue ribbon, and I got the blue ribbon. So at five years old, he had the stick, and he was running around, and he got to the other side, and he got a blue ribbon. I says, okay, well, tomorrow, because it was late, and I knew he was in bed. I says, when you get your church clothes, you have Daddy take a picture of you in that blue ribbon. And you show me in your church clothes with your blue ribbon. See, church, I'm still trying to brainwash them. You got it? (laughs) You show me a picture of that blue ribbon. And if you want to see it, a proud grandpa will show it after church to you with his blue ribbon. He got his blue ribbon. You just continually encourage them in the Lord. You encourage them. You don't complain about the preacher or the things you don't like about the church. Don't do that to your grandchildren. Brag on the Lord. Brag on the blessings. You know, the song we sing, count your many blessings. Count your blessings to the Lord all the time. Tell him the good. It's hard for me. I tend to be a very negative personality sometimes, very critical. And even myself sometimes. But mostly to other people. No, no, but, but... Watch what you say. The negative things you can say about the church and, and, and things that are going on can greatly influence those little bitty ears that are looking at you and watching you. So just think about the way we act in the church. Think about our decisions we make. Think about what motivates us because it is not about us. What I'd like to do is I, I want to read... I want to read one more verse. I know this is really early. Um, let's go to let's go to Colossians three. I want to do one more thing, okay? And I don't have this ready, so we're just going to go to Colossians three. And in Colossians three, there's about a half a dozen verses there, and I want to read these to you. <clears throat> and I want to challenge you. <clears throat> there's a group of Baptist preachers that get together the first of every month on a Wednesday at noon. And we have a meeting. And basically we've been getting together and I've been doing, they've been doing this for a couple years, but I didn't join them till last April or May sometime. And we're praying for revival in the Roanoke Valley. In this last Wednesday, and we usually start off with one of the preachers will do a devotion. And the one that was done this last Sunday was outstanding absolutely outstanding. And he did it on the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, what's a Baptist preacher going to tell a bunch of other Baptist preachers that they don't know about the Lord's Prayer? And he talked to us, and the, the thing that I love the most is he talked about amen. Amen. You know what amen means? Let it be so. Now, if I get up here and I go, it is finished, you guys will say, amen. Yes? And if I say, she shall bring forth a son, and she shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his children from his sins, you're going to go, amen. But how about those other commands? How quick are you to say, let it be so, Lord? Okay? So I'm in Colossians, and I'm going to read about a half a dozen verses, and let me start in verse 17. Okay? And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you look at that and say, let it be so. Yeah, let it be so. 
Okay. Wives, submit to your own under your own husbands. Ladies? No, no, I can't hear you. Let it be so, okay? Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Amen. Okay. Children, obey your parents in all things. Josiah, I can't hear you. Got it? Why can we say the amen and the let it be so's to those eternal things? Shouldn't we be able to say that to everything in the word of God? Think about the Lord's prayer. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let it be so. But you don't understand that brother is a stinker. You want me to forgive him? Let it be so. We should be able to say that to every commandment of the word of God. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Amen. Let it be so. Servants, obey your masters in all things. But even a knuckle-headed boss, let it be so. Can, can, can we do that? Okay. What if our grandchildren saw us with that kind of attitude with everything that comes from the Word of God? Let it be so. Amen. We've got selective amens, don't we? Don't we? And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Let it be so. You know, if we can have that kind of attitude, those grandchildren are going to watch what you do. They're going to do that way more than the advice you give them. And I pray you just have a relationship with the Lord that is joyous. Okay, let, let's go through one more list. One more list. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. Let me read you another list. <laughs> and again, the only reason I picked these is these are a list of commands that are really short right next to each other. I'm, I'm, I'm going there real fast. See, you don't understand, when I have this, this cuts 10 minutes off the sermon because I'm always flipping, looking for my verses, right? 1 Thessalonians 5. Okay, let me start also in verse 16. Okay, this is, this is not husbands, this is not wives, this is not children, I'm not picking on anyone. This is the whole congregation, okay? Verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Okay, a little bit louder. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Abstain from the appearance of evil. Let it be so. Can we do that? We should do that with all the word of God. Let it be so. Has he ever told you something that wasn't good for you? I didn't say, did he ever tell you something that was uncomfortable for you? Has he ever told you something that wasn't good for you? Has he ever told you something that wasn't good for your marriage? That wasn't good for your family? That wasn't good for your finances? That wasn't good for your work relationships? For, your, for, for everything? He's never done anything. Why, but why don't we say, let it be so? Because we want to hold on to control ourselves. 
And when we hold on to the control ourselves, those little eyeballs looking at us will see us. That's the best way we can pass this thing on to the next generation and the generation after that. So, with that being said, let's go back to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. And I want to read this passage one more time and give you perspective about it's really, really hard to have the discipline to think about something for next year. Isn't it? Well, I'm going to eat this way because in one year I'll be so much healthier. Man, I can't even get through a week on that diet. Okay? It's hard to have that one-year perspective. But a 70-year perspective? God, you've gone too far on this one. Let's read this. This is a 70-year plan, y'all. Okay? I'm going to start at verse 5. Okay? Build ye houses. I know this isn't your homeland, but build houses anyway. Dwell in them. Plant gardens. I know, but when I plant this garden, I'm just going to have to walk away from it. Eat the fruit thereof. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. But they'll never be free. And take wives and for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters. Now we're getting there, right? And that may be increased there, not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. But I don't like the way this government's going. Pray for it anyway. Pray for those leaders. You know, you, you, you know me. Every January, the State of the Union Press, State of the Union, um, well, the State of Address, that's what I want to say. I pray and I watch. Because I'm waiting for the day the president will be up there and he'll be talking and all of a sudden little feathers will start coming out of his cuffs. I'm waiting for that day. Okay, some of you aren't laughing. You don't know where I'm going. It's Nebuchadnezzar, okay? All right. There's going to be a change going on. Verse 8. For thus saith the Lord God of hosts, uh, I'm sorry, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, and ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Stick to the word, the whole word, and nothing but the word. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. But I'm going to be dead by then. So what? You have some grandkids around. And perform my good toward you. And you know what? He gave them glimpses of peace. It just wasn't a national peace. But he gave them peace while he was there and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts, and I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end in 70 years. Can you do it? Can you have that discipline? I pray you can. Because if you don't, (laughs) the opposite isn't a very good outlook. So we want to do that. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.